2: Welcome back to part two. I, John Robbins, and the landlord of the moon underwater. He, the lovely Robin Allender, is our beloved regular. And with us this week creating their dream pub is Freddie Bulmer from the Wine Society. What's your actual title, Freddie? What's your job title? It's a good one. It's wine buyer. Wine buyer. It's simple, short and simple. It's lovely. Many of us are sort of amateur wine buyers, but uh, Freddie has made a living out of it. And before we return to his fantastic pub, we must,
1: we must, we must get the answers to our Moon Underwater pub quiz. Thanks, John. Yes, um, this week in the Moon Underwater pub quiz, it was all about films and TV shows that had been translated or retitled for French-speaking audiences. So question one was which American film was released in France with the English title Sex Friends. Was it It's Complicated, Friends with Benefits, or No Strings Attached? Freddie, what, what do you think?
3: These are tough. I'm not very good at pub quizzes.
1: <laughs> I'm going to... I had a
3: feeling that I've, I've read this fairly recently. I was going to go for It's Complicated.
2: OK,
1: Freddie's gone It's Complicated, John.
2: Well, I, I'm going to shock you, Robin, because I know that I can't be right on all of them. But yeah. I'm going to stick to my guns, because I've gone all bees.
1: You've gone all bees, OK. Ooh. So, so you, I've gone Friends with Benefits in this one. Friends with Benefits would be a very good answer, but it's no strings attached. Uh, that classic film, 2011, with uh, Natalie Portman and Ashton Kutcher. Great great memories. Question two. Which TV show was t- translated into French with the title L'Agence to Risque, The Agency Who Takes Risks? Was it the Sweeney, the A-Team, or Miami Vice? Freddie.
3: I went with the A-Team on this one.
1: You went with the A-Team. John, you've gone for a B. You know I'm B. It is the A-Team, yes. Great. Why couldn't they just call it the A-Team? It's a good question. Yeah. Cool. You should make that the pub quiz question. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, question three, which... TV show was translated into French with the title *Au Frontier du Real, at the boundaries of reality. Was it *The Twilight Zone*, *The X Files*, or *Steptoe and Son*? So, Freddie, I went *Twilight Zone* on this one. You went *Twilight Zone*. John, you gone for B? All in on the bees. It was *X Files*. Well oh. done. Ah, oh, so *Double Being*. Double Being. Well, that is a good <laughs> tactic in a pub quiz, actually, with multiple choice. Just stick to the same one. Yeah, you know you'll get a third of them, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Damn, oh well. But yeah, very well done, John. And what a good game. I was going to include uh, Cruel Intentions as well, which was translated as Sexy Intentions.
3: <laughs> Don't the French have a, an obsession with translating English films into English names, but just in, making sure that they somehow fit the word sex into there?
1: Yeah, there is, there is a lot of that,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great pub quiz there from Robin. And we head back to Freddie Bulmer's Dream Pub, is a country pub uh, best enjoyed after a long walk with beams and various fire risks. We're about to ask you about your spirits, Freddie. Uh, you've you've only so far chosen one wine. Are you a spirit drinker? Well, I'm, I'm sort of.
3: That's not a very uh, straightforward answer there. But there are certain spirits I like a lot. There's one combination of spirits that I like in particular. I, I've Really been an enjoyer of gin and tonics for a long time. Um, and it's only fairly recently that I've gotten into whiskey, really. So that's something that I knew that I would get a lot out of for a long time, but really struggled to find an in, I suppose. And so it's only really, maybe that's been my pandemic thing, actually, where a lot of other people were getting into wine. I suddenly started buying whiskey, but still very, very much at an amateur level. But I haven't picked either of those things. You might be surprised to know. Should I tell you my first one? Yes, please. So the first one, actually, I'm cheating the system slightly because it's a it's a pre-mixed cocktail, a pre Negroni and a Ooh. bottle, please.
2: Oh, I oh, think makes... we can allow that.
3: Thank you. That's great because I've got bugger all else to go on. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so I love a Negroni. I have done for a long time. Got some family links to Italy. So it's been something that uh, I've been drinking for far longer than I probably should have been. And... Frankly, I'm quite a fan of anywhere that does a really good Negroni. I think it's a it's a telltale as to the quality of a place. And admittedly, it's not the most pubby cocktail, perhaps. But there are a lot of places you'll sort of spot now where the only cocktail they will do is a Negroni. They do it really well.
1: They don't muck around. And I think that's perfect. Talk us through the taste profile of a Negroni to, to someone who had never tried one.
3: I'd say equal parts strong and bitter and with just enough sweetness there as well, a sort of a, a nice kind of citric twist. So it's it's ultimately equal parts, uh, gin, Campari, and a, a red vermouth. And just with a twist of orange, like an orange peel uh, mixed with uh, with ice. So it's, it is strong, you know, there's no mixer there, but it's a really lovely drink to sort of sit and sip. They're lethal, completely lethal, uh, and they go down fairly easily. It's one that takes a bit of getting used to. If you've not tried one before, it's a real sort of screw your face up type uh, first sip.
1: Yeah, that bitterness can sometimes get into the sour kind of quality. I find, yeah, I find, but yeah, you can do. Yeah, you, you're not a fan of
3: Negronis yourself.
1: No, I do. I like them, but yeah, it, it's. I remember the first time I had it, it was like, why does anyone drink that? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah <laughs> which is yeah, also yeah. what I thought when I first had beer. So look at me now. But it is that kind <laughs> of thing where it, it almost seems counterintuitive that such a bitter drink should be quite refreshing.
3: Yes. Yeah, and it is refreshing too actually. That's a really it's a really good point. And there was this whole thing recently the whole Negroni spagliato thing going uh viral and everybody getting dead into them and I say no. I'm a Negroni purist and uh, don't fuck with something that's really good as it is frankly as my is my uh, approach to it and the stronger the better. I think personally my My approach to an agroni is keep it super simple as well, because you go to really nice bars and things where they'll use um, a really good gin and some sort of very fancy version of, uh, you know,
2: martini rosso or whatever, and ultimately it's just never as good. It's it should put hairs on your chest. Well, I think a premix bottle or can is actually a really good way of serving cocktails in pubs, because then you don't get stuck behind behind someone faffing around with creating one, looking it up on the internet, asking their manager. Exactly. Trying to find where the limes are. So, perfect. <laughs> can, pop the can. There you go. Big block of ice in the middle. Take it away.
3: Exactly. Completely agree. And I think, yeah, keep it simple. It's always the best way. And I think a groney
2: is better,
3: the more simple it's kept, for sure. What's your second choice? So, the second one is, have you ever had fernit branca? Oh, no. not to my knowledge. Because it's that. So, it's an Italian amaro, and it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> And I'm choosing that as my second choice because this is as somebody who works in the drinks trade. It's really, really popular, this this liqueur basically, amongst the food and drink industry, people who work in food and booze. It's it tastes offensive, frankly. Uh, if you take the the sort of the the bitterness uh, of a negroni and multiply that by 10. And Robin, as you were saying, you know, the first time you tried an you thought, why would anyone drink this? Take that feeling, multiply it by 10 you'll be close to Fernet Branca. Um, and it's one of those drinks that I would stock in my dream pub because I know that a lot of the sort of people I'd like to come and drink in my pub like this. And I've guil- I've been guilty of uh, drinking it myself for what is, I think, exactly the same reason that everybody else who says that they like it drinks it for, because they want to be seen drinking it. So it's very much a a, a drink that you consumed to show solidarity with the hospitality industry and nobody really ever dares speak out about the fact that it's absolutely disgusting
1: can i read you a sentence from the wikipedia page please it was marketed as a pick-me-up and as a cure for worms for fever for cholera and for menstrual pain
2: perfect Exactly, uh,
1: worms is rife in hospitality. So this
2: is why. I wonder if it is it just so disgusting that it takes your mind off the worms for an evening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. I think there's and isn't it? I, I think I read
3: somewhere that it also um, uh, has sort of laxative qualities too. Oh, great. So maybe that's where the, that's where it gets rid of worms. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting choice for your dream pub. Yeah, well, I think it's a sadist's
3: drink, really because again I'm convinced that nobody can actually really like it but it's uh, a drink that you have to not lose face in a way and as I said to sort of show that you're a hardcore part of the food and drink world and so you know at least I'm I like to think being honest about selling out in that way because I, I don't know how anyone can actually like it but at the same time you're not a really cool bar pub whatever unless you've got it
1: is this like going on Desert Island Discs and saying, oh, actually, I'll have the fourth B side from this uh, incredibly obscure Swedish band that released one album and then yeah. never, you know? <laughs> yeah,
3: it's that, but it's like that, but every time you listen to it, you cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't deny that it makes you feel something. And, and that for me is, uh, is Fernet Branca. So, yeah, at the end of a meal, it's a, it's a pretty good digestive type option. And yeah, it's it's, uh, it's nothing if it's not full of personality. Let's say that.
2: Well, you can apparently mix it with coke if the taste on its own is too disgusting. But I think this is a moon underwater first. As someone ordering something they know to be uh, un- undrinkable. But this is the thing. I'm not. I'm
3: not um, adding it into my dream pub as somebody who who wouldn't and doesn't drink it. Yeah. But it's um, a unique one in that I'll drink it. I'll never turn it down. I'll order it after a meal. But I. <laughs> Damn well won't like it, but I'll do it again.
2: <laughs> well, what we've ha- we've had our learning expanded once already with the quiz. We've had it expanded again with the Fernet Branca. So, Robin, our brains might just explode once we've head into the pub library this week.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Thanks John, yes, welcome to the Moon Underwater Pub Library And this week it's a musical pub library As we welcome the Irish singer-songwriter Seamus Fogarty To the Hallowed Shelves You've got a bit of history with Seamus Fogarty, haven't you John?
2: Yeah, I chose uh, one of his songs to play on Five Live And we forgot to check the lyrics and we broadcast the word fuck (laughs) (laughs) Did you get into trouble for that, was it? No, no one listens to the show (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do you mean well like i don't think anyone at the bbc <laughs> listens to our show so we we got away with some with some pretty uh, pretty near the knuckle stuff recently
1: so seamus fogerty is a brilliant artist who has released music on lost map and domino John and I are both big fans of his 2017 album, The Curious Hand, because of the way it melds field recordings and found sounds with beautiful melodies and brilliantly inventive lyrics. I'm including the title track in the pub library because, as well as being partly set in a pub, listening to the song is almost like being in a pub, with what sounds like pub chatter coming and going, and voices reminiscing about the past, drifting in and out. So I'll read one verse from the song, but before I do, I should just say that I couldn't actually find the lyrics for the album online, and there was one line I couldn't work out, which is, in Temple Bar, the first something is taking flight. So I had to ask my friend Ed Dowie, who knows Seamus, to clarify the words, and Seamus said that the line is, the first hen is taking flight. He said, I wrote those lines sitting outside a cafe of a rainy morning, taking in the sight of the first hen party, hitting Temple Bar at 10am. So there we go, direct from the horse's mouth. So uh, this is is a verse from The Curious Hand. I found a pub and took a drink. A window seat helped me think, as the jukebox played cat amongst the pigeons. Middle-aged men with wandering wives, war in the name of religion. In Temple Bar, the first hen is taking flight, as the drops begin to tap dance across the awning. And my friend, she told me, it's a long day for dreaming. Oh,
2: such a good album, such a great song. What a wonderful addition to the Moon Underwater Pub Library, Robin's handwritten lyrics to (laughs) (laughs) Seamus Fogarty's The Curious Hand. We've also got our own jukebox here. And Freddie, we're going to ask you what album you would like to add to the Moon Underwater jukebox, please.
3: Now, this was one I spent a good bit of time thinking about because what I wasn't sure on is whether it should be something that fits in with the vibe of my pub that I've described or whether it's just my ultimate pub sing-along jukebox album regardless?
2: Mm.
1: Interesting
3: question, yeah.
2: I think that's a question only you can answer, Freddie. Interesting.
3: In that case, I'm going to go with my first choice because my pub is a tranquil place mm-hmm. and a place where you go to sit by the fire, stare into the fire, nurse a nice real ale. And I thought the perfect album for this is the first album from Bon Iver. Uh, for Emma nice. Forever Ago Which I think is a beautiful album
1: It is And
3: I don't know if you Have you guys ever ever heard it before?
1: Bloody hell, I've seen John play it often enough <laughs> Great. Yeah, house perfect. Great Yeah, played that a lot when it first came out
3: <laughs> Great way of lowering the tone at a house party <laughs> Or lowering the vibe um, But it's just such a lovely peaceful album And the fact that he sort of locked himself away In a, in a cabin in, I think in Wisconsin or somewhere uh, For three months and recorded this, uh, I think, uh, well, it goes without saying, has, of course, played a huge part in the overall sound and, and, and feeling that the album gets across. Uh, and given that my dream pub scenario is to be sort of locked away in a, in, a, in a pub probably in the middle of winter, as I say, in the countryside by a fire, I uh, thought it's perfectly fitting. So, uh, yeah, Bonivere for Emma forever ago.
2: It's amazing. It's quite sad, actually, though. Freddie, yes, people true. might get a little bit sad listening to it all the time.
3: Well, so then the other option was uh, was Blink One Eight Two. So, <laughs> okay, so we'll have for Emma Forever ago. Yeah.
2: There's some um, there's a video really like on YouTube of him and the the band singing some of the songs in a uh, stairwell in a, yes french oh, buildings yeah. really incredible is that was the
1: staves uh i can't remember now but yeah he, so those those vocal harmonies just amazing, they're amazing they? well yeah. there, there
3: is a video that they did with the staves at the sydney opera house
1: right that's the um one of, which
3: yeah. is also absolutely beautiful that's not a song off this album i think that's a cover but i can't remember what of but the uh yeah the, the ones in the in the stairwell i think that's in France or something. They're just yeah, it's haunting so and beautiful.
2: Yeah. And his appearance on Jules Holland when he sang um, "Skinny Love" is extraordinary. Like solo performance, mm. he's really sort of giving it all, hammering tongs. Yeah, it's
3: very emo- a very sort of emotional performance. I think really, he's um, an incredible performer. So
2: I've
1: I've sort of lost touch with him, but I'm aware he's very cool now, Robin. I think because he got so well known for doing the acoustic singer songwriter. Thing. he's kind of moved away from it in different mm. ways
3: it's all gone a bit weird now i think yeah but he's a very
1: interesting figure i like him a lot i, I just need to go back to that album because i don't think i've heard it for like you know 10 years or something it's been around for longer than i had realized that i was looking into it
3: earlier and it came out in 2008 so it's um it's been around a while but it's not aged
1: it's amazing so good. John named after a, named an Edinburgh show after it, didn't you? Well, Skinny yeah, Love. Yeah, my
2: first Edinburgh show is called Skinny Love. Great. Um, <laughs> Flume's a great track on that, and um, Forever Ago as well. Mm. Yes, very good choice, actually. We're all going to get quite sad in your pub, I'm afraid, Freddie. <laughs> That's great. Well, if we could all sit uh,
3: solo on our own tables and just stare into the same fire, yeah. then that would be wonderful and bleak and rejuvenating. Thank you.
2: on to the cheerier topic of your wild card choice Freddie. Uh, yes. so what are you gonna have
3: um for my wild card choice can i please have an entire fantastic
2: wine list thank you um go on i uh, oh, go is, on i think that's the three wishes of the uh, of the moon underwater realm i'm afraid you can't have an in- well you can have the wine list you just won't have any of the wine oh, shit <laughs> yes but then at least it gives me cause to complain so that's great um,
3: okay, I was banking on this. I was banking on this uh, for my for my wine choice. In that case, what I'm going to have is a damn good bottle of champagne, actually, because again, a little bit like the Riesling that I mentioned before, you can't go wrong with champagne. When is it? When is there a bad time to have champagne?
2: Well, the champagne that we tasted when you invited us to the Wine Society, I then bought for a friend of mine to congratulate him on his engagement. He absolutely loved it. It was. Beautiful. And I say only, obviously champagne is expensive, but it was 40 quid or maybe 35 quid, which isn't like, it's not wacky money. It's, it's you know, it's obviously a, a treat sort of price, but yeah,
3: you can have such a fantastic experience and it's easy to over romanticize things. But the fact is that when you open a bottle of champagne, it makes that moment, you know, a moment uh, which is quite unique, really. There's not a lot of other food or drink that can do that in quite the same way. And uh, I remember being told quite a few years ago, and it is correct, so many people will be given a bottle of champagne and they'll put it to one side and they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll wait for a special occasion. And most champagne that you buy ultimately is sold ready to drink. And the sooner you drink it, the better, you know, most non-vintage champagne. And so the more you put it off and the more you just stick it in the cupboard in the kitchen until somebody comes around for a party the worse it's gonna get. And actually the best time to drink that bottle of champagne is if you've had a really shit day. And you go home and stick it in the fridge, open it, and it makes that day suddenly a lot better. And there's not a lot of other yeah, other drinks that can do that in, in quite the same way. And so for you know, 40 quid as you say, it's uh it's not a high price to pay when it comes to turning a shit day around.
2: What a lovely way of looking at champagne, I have to say. Yeah. Um, so, which one have you gone for? I'm going to go for Krug, which isn't forty quid, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, because it's a real
3: treat, and it's not something I get to drink often. But it is the sort of nicknamed the Rolls Royce of champagnes. So, Krug is a is a oh, it's it's a all their wines are pretty phenomenal. They start very expensive, so their entry level non-vintage champagne, as, as, as is the flagship for pretty much every champagne house, starts at the same price that most other champagne houses kind of top vintage champagne starts at, um, and then kind of goes up from there. But the really fantastic and fascinating thing with champagne is it's a huge blending exercise. And so the wineries will keep back uh, wines from a number of different years and different harvests, and then they will blend uh, across lots of different vintages hence the non-vintage thing, in order to try to maintain what they call their house style. Because one of the fascinating things about wine is that you're ultimately dealing with an agricultural product, your grapes, which take on, the, uh, just take on whatever the vintage conditions that the weather from that year gives to them. And so if you're making your house champagne each year just from that particular year, if you've had a really, really hot summer, but the summer previous was really, really cold, it's going to taste really different. And the best way to maintain that style is to keep wine back from, you know, maybe five, six, seven vintages and blend them together. And what's unique about Krug is just how far back those uh, vintages that they've stored go. So I remember being there in 2013, I was lucky enough to go and visit the winery. And they were telling me then that, the, they were still using wine from 1990 in their non-vintage blend at that point. So if you can imagine how much wine they must have just literally tied up in, in, in barrels there, um, there's a lot of money in wine that they've got just sitting to one side, maturing, basically. There's no wonder why it's bloody pricey stuff. But if they've got the money to do that, which they clearly do, the end result is a pretty phenomenal
2: drink. So is it a specific one that you're choosing or is it their, their bog-standard, I say bog-standard, <laughs> sort of uh, entry-level one? I would be quite happy with
3: just their standard Krug, you know, brute, non-vintage entry-level because anything over and above that gets silly uh, price-wise. <laughs> and uh, I think what I would want in my pub... Is to be able to enjoy it and enjoy how delicious it is, but not with every sip be thinking, "Well, there goes another hundred quid."
2: Yeah. yeah. So th- this starts at what, like, two hundred and ten, maybe? Last time I checked, it's probably about one hundred and twenty pounds a bottle or something like that.
3: Oh, oh, okay. Maybe that's just the Wine Society being fantastic.
2: So, th- so the Krug Grand Cuvée is that it? That's the one. Yeah, two hundred and ten from Waitrose. Is it? Oh. It's a cost of living crisis for for the rich as well, you know, dear. It shows how <laughs> out of touch I am, doesn't it? Bloody hell! No,
3: I, I um, no, I was lucky enough to be gifted a bottle of this a couple of years ago now, and I kept it and drank it on my birthday last year, and uh, it was just it was just delicious, and it it tastes like such a treat, you know. So that would be my wild card, provided someone else was paying the bill.
2: Yes, there are no bills in the um, in the correct realm. It's just it's just champagne. Wine and fernet branca. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds like that sounds like acid reflux waiting to
0: happen.
2: <laughs> well, we take a little break from all you Johnny Come Flyby Nightlies to give our Patreon supporters a bit of a treat. If you want to support us and uh, maintain this crazy old bunker junk, then um, <laughs> head to MoonUnderPod.com. <laughs> and uh, click through to our Patreon link where you get access to uh, Behind the Cellar Door, Uh, you get advance warning of live tickets, the most recent ones sold out in mere minutes, and um, also you get to hear Freddie Bulmer's Dream Pub Companion. But if you don't, fair enough. We'll see you in a bit. Well, everyone, here we are, and we've had a lovely chat about uh, Freddie Bulmer's dream pub companion. If you want to find out who it is, give us your money. <laughs> um, sort of, just based on what Bob Geldof said uh, during Live Aid. Um, but I, I sound like Bob Geldof. Should uh, should point out uh, that none of the money will be going to charity in this instance, though I do give generously. You know, outside of the Moon Underwater. But this really, this this has got to work, guys. <laughs> we, we can't we can't. I mean, there's so many good causes here in the uh, correct realm, aren't they, Robin? What are some of the good causes here? Ooh, there's the uh, vellum pre- preparation for the books. yeah, the vellum preparation society. Do, do you sponsor there's... a local cricket team? Yeah. What, there's the well, cricketers. There's you the... don't really call it cricket over here. It's, yeah. it's very straight. I mean, so many bloody balls going around the place. <laughs> Sponsor that. Yeah. that. sounds fun. Yeah. There's the, the Drainsman's um, Retirement Fund. Pipe Enamelling. The Pipe Enamelling, yes. <laughs> yes, a lot of money goes on that. And um, also the...
1: Uh, uh... <laughs> there's the Sky Sports Mosaic... <laughs>
2: Oh, God. That crikey. takes a lot of upkeep. Every frame, a new Every mosaic. Every single frame, a new mosaic. Oh, I'm thinking of getting rid of it, Robin. Yeah. It's it's £20,000 a month to subscribe to it. <laughs> and um, and they've lost the test matches. Yeah. Uh, the recent ones. Anyway, yes, head to moonunderpod.com if you want to uh, support us on Patreon. Two little bits of business for you, um, Freddie. First off, what are you barring from your dream pub? You're barred.
3: One thing that really pisses me off, and and I'm not going to bar them, but uh, I thought it worth mentioning, is anyone who plays any sound through their phone speakers uh, in a pub—it's just annoying. I think anywhere it actually gets yes. anywhere. Yes, that's apart true. from your own home. Yes. Yeah. Well, if it was a stranger in my own home, I'd be I especially act off about it. But yeah. But uh, yeah, that's true. But I think they just need a telling off. So I was really between two here. And I was going to see how uh, an earlier part of this uh, podcast went before making my mind up. I'll tell you what they are, and you'll probably be able to figure it out. So one was free planned live music that I'm not aware of. So by that, (laughs) what I mean is when you turn up to a pub and you think, right, lovely, let's go and have a beer. And you get in there and you just had your your pint given to you. And they say, oh, just so you know, in about 20 minutes, the band's going to be setting up in the corner. And you think, oh, for fuck's sake yeah that's annoying there was that uh, and the other one is the pub quiz because i'm crap at them um and uh, i thought i'll see how it goes but based on my performance i'm gonna have to bar the pub quiz really? oh yeah, wow I'm doing it.
1: that's not the first time i've heard that though really well that's yeah. good but uh,
3: it really is one of those things that i'm not ashamed to say is entirely down to me being useless at them i have uh i have let myself down numerous times at pub quizzes I come out feeling depressed, miserable.
1: Surely, if there's a wine round.
3: Well, but then the stakes are just even higher, you know, and then you get yourself all nervous and you start misspelling things and, like, or, or getting pedantic is what I do as well.
2: I do kind of understand it because I think it's very hard for a pub quiz to please everyone. Yeah. So anyone walking in after the first round who doesn't know it's on, they're pissed off. Yes. Yeah. People are always pissed off about the size of the other teams if you set a pub quiz if you host one it has to be four people per team and you get an exception of maybe like five or three i don't think you can vary from the from the from the set amount of people by more than one because it's just not fair if you've got a team of eight and a a couple on their own that's a
3: very good point i completely agree and then the other thing that winds me up is it brings out people's road rage mentality yeah you know if one person thinks that they might have just seen someone across the room get their phone out of their pocket they are well and understandably furious but it just brings out the worst in everyone
2: i also think they're always too long yes Mm. for sure what's the problem you don't need to have an interval just five sets of five questions on five different topics best of 25 because the worst thing is you get there and it's starting at like half seven and you know round one finishes at half eight and they go oh do you want me to repeat any questions no you should have been listening the first time <laughs> <laughs> then there's like half an hour for marking then there's another hour so it's like two and a half hours
3: well and ultimately as well if you don't watch eastenders you're fucked from the beginning
2: yeah robin i mean you've set over Well, nearly 100
1: pub quizzes here.
3: Sorry, Robin. No, it's
1: fine. I mean, I do agree that if you want to go for a quiet drink and you turn up at a pub and it's halfway through a pub quiz, it's a really horrible feeling because you can't turn it off in your mind. You you will still carry on doing the pub quiz in your mind. You feel like you've
3: walked in on well, I mean you have walked in on something, but you feel like you've walked in on something far more sordid than what you've actually walked in on as well. Because it's it's sort of silent. There's lots of muffled noises. People whispering at each other, and it's an incredibly uncomfortable experience. So it's uh,
1: yeah, it's a, it's,
3: a, it's a it's a it's it's horrible. <laughs>
1: Hurry up, please. It's time.
2: Right then. Well, there's no expanding the mind in Freddie Bulmer's Dream Pub. Just to recap, we've got Ansbach and Hobday, London Black, Theakston's Old Peculiar, Braybrook, New Zealand Pills, Brundlmeier, 2014 Heiligenstein Riesling, We've got in the spirits department a pre-mixed agrony and the uh, worm curing Fernet branca. The jukebox is playing for Emma "Forever Ago" by Bonnie Vere, and his wildcard choice is a Krug Grand Cuvée Brut. No pub quizzes as discussed, but what are we going to call this pub, Freddy?
3: Well, I learnt a wonderful word the other day, which dates back, I think, to the 1500s, called uh, which was quaff which is Ooh. time to drink or drinking season, or, you know, that point at the end of a hard day where you're able to sup on something delicious and refreshing. So I thought, well, I've got to utilize this and go for the quaff tied in.
2: Oh, lovely.
1: Very nice.
2: The quaff tied in. Well, we thank Freddie so much for his time. Also, his expertise. Do check out the Wine Society. Go on their website, browse their wines. They send you a lovely full color brochure through the post. Uh, with recommendations and also what's really important to mention about the wine society it's not just a massive warehouse of wine i mean it is that <laughs> but also you're sort of actively seeking out new stuff all the time different regions what's hot what's not absolutely if a you know previous favorite has a bad year you'll replace it with something else you're you're very active in your research
3: that is absolutely my job and uh the job of my my colleagues there's a there's a handful of us who are the buyers and that's precisely what we do we spend a lot of time out and about in vineyards in wineries uh you know i head off to australia and new zealand when i can and, and find out what's hot and what's not over there and oh, it's it uh,
2: sounds like it's list
3: <laughs> it's just terrible isn't it and um but uh, yeah so that's that's precisely it if it's if it's not genuinely delicious we're not gonna we're not gonna buy it it's a uh, great selection of wines which you can absolutely bank on
2: well, thank you, Freddy, and thank you to all of you for your time here in The Correct Realm. We'll see you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers.